Welcome to Stutter Stories, where guests from around the world each share the ins, outs, ups, and downs of life and conversation as a person who stutters. Hosted by Tricia Hedinger and Ja Ben. On Saturday, May 8th of 2021, the WSN celebrated the inaugural Stutterfest. It was a 20-hour celebration of the worldwide stuttering community. Near a thousand people came together to learn from others and share what they know. We had support group presentations, a research symposium, keynote speeches, comedians, entertainment, and of course, we had live recordings of podcasts. So let's listen to see what some of our Stutterfest participants had to say. It's my downfall every time. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to Stutter Stories, everyone. We are glad to have you here today. And we've got Lynn Mackey and Lucy Reed Ward, along with my fellow co-host, Jobin, and I'm Tricia Hedinger. And we were just talking about what are maybe one or some of the transformative moments that you may have had uh, in your life where it maybe it changed your perspective? Does something come to mind for either of you? Um, I'm, I'm trying not to be too obvious because the obvious one that pops into my head in regards to stuttering is the first time I ended up in a room full of people who stutter. Mm. And that happened for me at the age of, I think I was 15. Mm. Um, so I was a teenager, like, and up until that point, I'd only met one other person who stuttered, um, and that was like in therapy. Um, so it felt very clinical and forced. Um, however, when I was 15, um, I went along to like, an improv like, kind of drama workshop, um, like, which was advertised as being like a um, as being like a four people who stutter um, and I walked into this room and suddenly um, I was in a room of people and also like kind of older people adults um, like, who were talking to each other who were stuttering openly and who were just chatting and being themselves and getting to know each other and it was the weirdest sensation because up until that point um, like because of my experiences of going through high school and everything and being the only person who stuttered and it being a very clear difference and like as a result feeling like it was something that was wrong with me something I had to change and um, even though I had my parents telling me that wasn't the case and my therapists mm. telling me that wasn't the case I felt different mm. um, and like you notice that and it sticks with you and but suddenly being in this room with other people who stutter I wasn't on my own anymore I wasn't alone like there were other people um, who were going through the same thing as me and that was a really really powerful moment um, and also seeing like people who were older and confident and secure in themselves as well and um, who still stuttered and it was fine mm. so yeah that was a real um I'm looking at transformative moment and I think that's what got me involved with the stuttering community for the first time um so like, I probably wouldn't be here today um had I not gone along to that workshop Mm. So, and I think, I think it's funny that you post or that you, you started off by saying you didn't want it to be an obvious answer, but I, I, I have to say that I think that is what you hear the most. So it just makes us, you know, that the first time I met somebody else who stuttered or stood in a room full of other people who stuttered. And, uh, that just reminds us of why support groups are so valuable. Um, welcome, Paul and Kanal. Um, we were just talking about kind of transformative moments. Um, so, Lucy, did you have something you wanted to share? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what was the transformative moment for me was when I read um, NSA letting go used to come to your house. I, I was brand new to 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 the stuttering community. I was 43 years old. This was back in 1998. Um, I had no knowledge of, of the stuttering community, had never met another person who stuttered, 
had no speech therapy up until then. I was filled with shame and fear. I mean, filled with profound shame and fear. I was pretty much a covert stutterer, um, lived in like trepidation um, and um, had just learned about what was then the NSP be, be, began, get, began to get the letting go. And then when I read the words, it's okay to stutter. I was like, huh? Like I had to wrap my head around that because I had spent my whole life trying not to stutter because that's what I thought I was supposed to do, right? Like that's what I was, I thought I was supposed to not stutter. So it took me a while to wrap my head around that. And then when I went to my first NSP convention that year in 1998, and I, at the same time, had just gotten on the STUT-L listserv. So I had met a bunch of people on there. And I was, at the same time, a graduate student at Temple University and had just met Dr. Woody Starkweather. So I went to that first convention and met people. One of them was Tom Sharstein um, and a bunch of people. And my first workshop, well, my first workshop was actually one with Michael Sugarman, but the one that just blew me away the first timers workshop, I walk in and there was um, Paul, I'm sure remembers Bonnie Weiss. There is this woman who, who uh, I had met through Studell and we, we had emailed each other a lot. There she is on stage talking to this room full of people and she's stuttering. Like, and I'm like, this, you have to remember, this is my first time meeting people who stutter. And I'm like, how is she allowed to be speaking to a room of people? She stutters. Like this blew me away that someone who stutters was permitted to speak to a room of people. It just, I mean, my world was changed in that weekend. I got so much courage and acceptance. I mean, you know how some people, it takes them years to find acceptance? Uh-uh. I found acceptance in that weekend from being around other people who accepted their stuttering. It was like, well, if it's okay with them, then it's okay with me. And I had begun actually an, an, an NSA chapter before I even went to that conference. Um, there was a support group in my, in my area, not NSA um, affiliated, who I had the little piece of paper from it, from the newspaper cut out, and it was stuck to my bulletin board for seven years, seven years. And I never called the woman who was my dear friend, Kathy Filer, who rat, who, who, who had weekly meetings. And so I, I called her and she had, she had, she wasn't having meetings anymore. So these people became the first chapter people. And, and anyway, just being in real life situations with other people who stutter, experiencing their courage. And when I stopped trying to not stutter and accepted my stuttering and began being willing to stutter like the effort my effort and my struggle like disappeared that weekend. And that was my defining moment. Very well said, Lucy. 
Yeah, I think we have Paul and Kunal here. If any one of you can share your transformative moment on your journey. Sorry, yeah. Trisha, I'm taking your mic. I know. <laughs> All right, Kunal, there you go. Yeah, sure. Yeah, listen, I, I, I think mine was uh, really like um, we, we held this mock interview uh, like event for the stuttering community uh, at, at my firm back in January of 19. And so I, I had done this, you know, 30 minute presentation to the management to, to get them educated about stuttering before. And, and I just remember this moment of like being up there in front of everyone, all these senior leaders and like people really caring and listening. And I, I, I just like, there's this point where I started to tear up in front of them because I just never would have thought um, like I, I work in investment banking too. So, you know, I thought type A personalities here, we don't talk about disabilities. And I'm like, like people really did care. And I was like, wow, like I, I just felt so valued um, and understood and accepted. Um, and so, yeah, I was just like, wow, like I have to have faith here in people you gotta yeah i gotta give people an opportunity like it's gonna take time to educate but like people will come to the table here and and, and i think that that was the big defining moment for for me um to kind of get me on that like like you know i i've got to speak up if i expect people to if if you want to educate people right like these none of these guys are bad people but they haven't had the opportunity to really learn here. And, and so that, I, I think that, that, that was that transformative moment uh, for me. So well said, I feel that that part talking with the authority or people uh, from higher power, definitely for me, it's still the most intimidating group of people <laughs> since I came from China where, you know, like whoever, has the power you have the uh, right to to speak thank you so much kunal for for sharing and paul hello folks well i have been coming in and out of here since about six o'clock this morning and i've been in involved in the NSA, formerly the NSP, since, 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 since 1985. <laughs> Obviously, I'm old. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I was not aware of a stuttering support group prior to do that. And how I found out about it, uh, I was uh, in the capacity of my job. Uh, I was responsible for, for doing public, public meetings and workshops. I'm a retired traffic studies engineer for the Delaware Department of Transportation. And I was speaking in a high school auditorium to a group of about 300 people. I stutter. <laughs> and uh, it was always stressful, but I always had to go through it. And of course, people out there, people out there, you can see the expressions on their faces. And I was like, what the hell is he doing up there <laughs> talking to us? <laughs> you know? And uh, by strange coincidence, there was one gentleman in the audience and he left and he went home and told his wife, Barbara, Hubbard, who had just formed the Delaware chapter of the National Stuttering Project. And he went home and told, he said, Barb, there was a guy 
talking at this public meeting, he stutters. You need to speak to this guy and tell him about the NSP. And I got involved and it opened up the floodgates of what was possible and where we were early on then, because it was a, still a, a brand new forming group. And I, I actually, I had experienced uh, things, uh, you know, in the workplace and in school, as we all have with, with things. And after I got, after I got involved in the NSP, I, uh, I got tired of going to restaurants or walking up to a cashier and department store or give me, and you start to speak and they start to laugh or what, you forget your name, uh, spit it and you got all the, con so so I had a friend at the time who who had a who who had a graphics company, and I asked Bob. I said, "I want to be able to show people before I start to speak, <laughs> because we have no outward." appearance of having a disability. So I designed these shirts with big white letters and it screamed at the top. Uh, it said, I stutter, so what? <laughs> and, and I wore it everywhere. During that time, I was extremely active in community and I decided I decided to run I decided to run for public office <laughs> uh, and I really wasn't anticipating any problems with with that because I had a job where I was, was required to speak on the phone speak at public workshops and, and meetings but the prescribed, the prescribed method of campaigning in the state of Delaware, because it's such a small state, is a door-to-door -door campaign. I had to, or I was supposed to, go to every house in the representative district, knock on the door and tell these people why they should vote for me. Well, one-on-one, -on -one, I found out was a lot harder than speaking to an auditorium because I wasn't speaking to any one individual. And, and I could tell, I could tell by their face and the, 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 the look in their eyes of what was going through their mind. And they were thinking, how can he represent me? He can't even speak. And it crippled, it crippled my campaign, obviously, but during that time, I was going to our chapter, our chapter meetings and I was, discussing this and the frustration of the lack of public awareness. And I said, something has to be done. After the campaign, I lost, but, but it led, it led to something much better than that. Barbara Hubbard, our chapter head, and myself wrote to wrote to then Senator Joe Biden, Senator William Roth, and Congressman Tom Copper, 
asking them to present a resolution to Congress for Stuttering Awareness Week. And uh, as you're probably aware, uh, it uh, tomorrow, uh, excuse me, after all these years, I still get emotional. Uh, tomorrow is, tomorrow is the 30th, the start of the 33rd week of National Stuttering Awareness Week. And it's helped me, it's helped others. It boosted it, the, the confidence I gained out of that, which led to a whole lot more public speaking. I had to speak, uh, I had to speak before, I had to speak before, I had to speak before members of Congress. And uh, it, it just, and every step of that journey just built the confidence in me that stuttering does not define who I am. It's only how I speak. It does not define me. I'm a whole lot more than that. If you take the time to listen, <laughs> you know, and uh, if I can add just a small antidote here, that's uh, it's humorous. After that time, uh, anytime, anytime I had to give a public presentation, I would go up to the podium, I would introduce myself and, and I would, I'd explain. I said, uh, if, if during my presentation, there is some audio, audio dysfunction, it is not, the audio system, the problem is an internal one. I stutter and everybody would laugh and it took all the stress away, everybody. And they all knew I started and they knew exactly what to expect. And it made, put me at ease and I still do that. <laughs> so anyway, I just uh, want, yeah. And, and, and you know, uh, being here, today on what all the technology and the internet and the social media has created, I could never, I could never have imagined 36 years ago when I got involved in the NSP and I say now that something so significant as this, so helpful, that's going to help hundreds of thousands of people around the world just uh wow just takes my heart away it just uh, just this has been an awesome day absolutely oh we have come a long way and there's still much more to do but boy it's a whole lot better than it was 36 years ago Okay, I'm done. <laughs> and you're the reason that Stutterfest is today. Then we, we know we wanted it to be, you know, during Thank Stuttering you. Awareness Week. And so I appreciate that. Yeah. And bless, you, Paul, bless you, Paul, for doing that. How amazing yeah. that now we have Stuttering Awareness Week because of you. I was only I was only the spark just a spark that started the fire, but it's all of you and everyone involved today that keeps that fire burning bright. So I was only the spark, <laughs> you know. No, Paul, but, you did it. You went to Congress. You, I seen that picture and I have it somewhere of you in your suit and tie speaking before Congress. You had that courage to do it. You did it. It had to be done. It had to be done. I was, I was, I was I was tired of it. I was tired of the laughter and the mockery. You forget your name, spit it out. What's on, you know? And I said, this has got to change. And the only way it's going to change is public awareness on a national 
and ultimately an international level and it's happening and wow and i just love hearing you talk paul because you sound just like me we both come from the delaware valley you sound just like <laughs> so do i i came from delaware yeah, yeah. but you don't sound like philly anymore trisha uh, like well well hey, i know uh, they southerns uh, they changed uh, me just uh hang <laughs> hang on there dear i can slip I can slip right back into, I'm originally, I'm a New Yorker. And no. I can go back to my New York accent where the boys is chirping on the tweez on Fifth Avenue. No, I can fall right I back hear, into that. When I hear you talk, Paul, I hear Philly. Yeah. I need a glass of water. Yeah. Well, there's an awful lot of that in there too, yeah. A glass of water. A glass of water. 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 Where, you know, you maybe you've had a change in perspective or, um, you know, something that kind of really uh, made a difference in your life where you started to look at things in a new way. Um, Brad or Steph, do you have any, um, any input on this? Any stories to tell? I have a couple moments um, as an FP that have changed my perspective. Um, the first one was um, my graduate coursework was highly data rich with stuttering and cluttering knowledge. And it was a good course, but um, just, I guess that was the trend then or, or something, but very data rich. So I came out of graduate school with a data mindset and the first person I ever treated who stuttered was an adult postgraduate school. So I never treated it until I was out of school and he taught me stuttering. Like he, he knew more about stuttering than I did. And he, we spent a year over a year together in the clinic. Um, and he, um, spent the first 30 minutes of our initial evaluation and I just got my CCC, which in America, that is when you first get fully certified. And so I had just, I'm fresh out of school, like fresh by myself. And he spent the first 30 minutes of his evaluation talking about all these programs he had done and he had moved his family across the country for these programs and DAF and all these options. And his question to me was what's going to make you any different and he was the first person I ever treated and my answer to him was uh no I'm kidding that wasn't my answer my answer to him wanted to be uh but it wasn't I was very transparent and I told him I'm new at this but I want you to teach me and I'm going to learn from you the best that I can and we're going to make this what you need it to be and we did therapy for over a year together and that man taught me stuttering um, he really, really did. So that was one moment. And then my second um, would have to be with my own medical journey um, and some of the things I've experienced with caregivers and medical workers and things I don't like being treated as that I figured my the people I serve probably don't like being treated as. So I've changed my ways clinically based on um, things I've learned through my own path. Um, as well. So I'm really sensitive to some things because of things that I'm personally sensitive to with my own journey, even though it's not one of, I didn't grow up as a person who stutters like my brother did, but I grew up as a person with lung disease and I do know what I'm very sensitive to. And I've, I've changed my manner a lot clinically because of that. Thank you so much, Steph, for, for, for sharing. And so good seeing your little one. She's with us. She wanted to join. I hope that's sure. okay. Sure. What's yeah. your name? Mary. What's your name? Mary. Oh, Mary. Aw. She wanted to join. This is better than watching shows, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. That's so cool. 
Yeah, so I definitely, I feel like I resonant with what you guys shared. It's like me seeing the other people who stutter. And that's that kind of like psychological relief. It's so strong. It's almost like my entire life. I felt like I was a victim of stuttering. Like, why me, right? I do feel that when you see other people, well, yeah, Paul stutters, Lucy stutters, all the people here stutter. And what's your... Excuse now, right? So like, definitely like for me, that's the best part to, to know that I'm not the only one. Yeah, and and definitely, like I feel, that's the uh, the national stuttering uh, project started with, with that, and now the NSA and all this like self help com, 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 community does have an international influence too. Like right now, we're doing World Stuttering Network. And I definitely like feel this is the time for the people who stutter all around the world to be able to connect it to each other and stop being a victim. And we have a voice. Trisha, what, what do you think we should ask our guests next? Okay, let's see. Um, I guess what, what experiences have you had? I lost my paper, where did it go? Okay, so what, um, how did family and friends like, respond to your stuttering either growing up or as adults like what was their you know there you, you hear so many different stories and how people change as a result of who's around them or people stutter differently as a result of who's around them and how they behave and how supportive they are or what their responses are you know so how do your friends and family as you grow up grew up uh, typically respond to your stuttering or um, support or not support you? Well, I'll, I will go first. Um, I grew up in the 50s and the 60s. And at that time, I know this, that my parents were influenced by the Wendell Johnson theory, which was... Um, don't talk to your child about stuttering because if you talk to your child about um, speaking to a child about stuttering will telling a child who that they stutter will make the 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 child a stutterer. So my parents did not talk to me about stuttering ever. My my mother and and my aunt were both covert stutters. So even though no one talked to me, I picked up on it. And what I picked up on was my mother's profound shame. She was a covert stutterer. So I saw her hiding it and I saw her shame. So I picked up on it. So my first memory was when I, I was four and my first day of kindergarten. And so I was terrified that the nun was going to find out that I stuttered. Um, so as a kid, my stuttering was pretty severe. Now I was never teased ever. Um, my parents accepted it. My friends accepted me. Everyone's accepted me. I was, I lived in a world of love. And at the same time, I didn't accept me. So I lived in a, a world of fear and shame. And like, I just 
my brother who's eight years older than me, I just told him this story two years ago and he cried. He said, I never knew it bothered you. He said, I used to walk you to school every morning. And I said, yeah. And when you walked me to school every morning, my legs were trembling and shaking because I knew I was going to have to read out loud every day. Um, I felt so defective and like such a burden to my teachers. Outwardly, I was this happy kid. Everybody wanted to be friends with me. I had friends. And and at the same time, I lived in this dark, scary world. So um, yeah, my reality was I, I had no one to talk to about it. And I was scared and um, terrified. I lived in, I lived in, I lived in trauma. My parents took me to a child psychologist when I was eight to find out why I was stuttering. And he diagnosed me as being emotionally disturbed. No wonder I was living in trauma. And he told them to get me a dog and to get me in craft of the month club. And those things helped because they improved my self-esteem. Yeah. So even though a kid doesn't have anybody telling them it's wrong to stutter, they put a lot on themselves. And that's what happened to me. I put all this negativity on me without negativity coming from anywhere else. Can I ask you a question, Lucy, really quick? Yes, yes. Do you mind? Um, did you Not know when you were a child going through that trauma kind of to yourself, like even to the point where your brother who was around you every morning mm -hmm. was like, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So to keep that to yourself, even as a young child, is, mm -hmm. is just huge. Um, when you talk about trauma, that that's very, very huge and great experience. So thank you for sharing that with us. But did you ever, ever meet any other children who stuttered or anybody who stuttered during that time? Yes. Yes, there was another boy in my classroom who stuttered. And one of our priests in, in our church school stuttered. And I remember, I don't know if, if you know anything of, about the, the um, Catholic religion, but you have to go to confession and there's this little there was this little room. It's like a little box that you go in and you close the door and the, and the priest is like hidden behind this, this, this little screen. And he, he slides it open and you tell him your sins. It's really, really weird. So wonder that didn't traumatize kids. It anyway, is. <laughs> anyway, it is traumatizing for all of us. Anyway, this priest <laughs> stuttered. This, this priest stuttered why he never came and talked to us who knows but he stuttered and this one day i i remember telling him my pre, my 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 sins like oh i lied a hundred times you know was usually my my sin was i lied a hundred times and he said to me are you a boy or a girl so obviously he knew there were two children and also in my NSA chapter, a guy showed up one night who was who actually turned out to go to my same school, who was two years older than I was, and he stuttered too. And it's just, it's just my parents were actually friends with his parents. It was, it's like, it's like so convoluted, but actually, so there, there were actually three kids in that school who all stuttered. Yeah, so I did know another boy in my classroom. And even though he stuttered, it never connected with me. Like I never made a connection like, hey, there's somebody else we never talked about. It was like, I still kept this experience isolated to me. And I never felt um, like I was allowed to talk to anybody about it. I never felt like I was validated to talk to anyone about it. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that with us, Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. Lynn, have, do you have anything to add to that? Or Paul? I'm sorry. I don't know whoever's. Um, um, yeah, I'm happy to go next. Um, I feel like my parents were kind of in 
between um like Lucy's parents and like kind of parents who talk about like kind of stuttering a lot. Um I am I like I'm turning like kind of 30 this year just for context of like when I was growing up. Um and like kind of my parents approach was all his just like kind of telling me to get on with it and to talk and just to keep talking even if I did stutter. Um, and, however, at the same time, like we never really spoke about the stutter like in any depth. Like they encouraged me, and like if I did want to talk to them about it, they would. But like it never really came up in my household. Um, and I feel like even nowadays we rarely talk about it. They know that I'm involved in all of the stuttering community stuff, and they support me. But they've never really been involved in it themselves. It's my thing. Um, and they take me there and they drop me off, but they don't really um, like get involved themselves. Um, like, however, for like my mother's approach was always just like I get on and talk, and if you stutter, then you stutter. Um, and I found out from her like just this past week, um, actually, and like that it was one of my first like kind of speech therapists, and like who she got that mentality off, um, like because this speech therapist, um, I was about the age of kind of seven or eight. Um, so like it was at the point where I was probably going to be stuttering um, for the rest of my life. Um, it was past the point um, of it resolving itself. Um, and my speech um, and my speech therapist like, kind of said that to my mum, like it might still go. It might still go away like on. Oh, it's own, or she might have a stutter, and that's fine. And and I think that mentality, like from my therapist, just kind of set my mother up as, oh, okay. I'm like, well, it's fine. I just need to like instill that mentality um, in her as well. Um, and like in a way, like it did give me that confidence because I was more likely to kind of test myself and to push myself, like especially when I was younger, like. And obviously, once I became a teenager, like and like hormones and insecurity set in, um, it was a different story. But when I was younger, like, I was more inspired to go and try stuff, and to put myself into situations and to make friends. Um, and as a result, like, I've always been quite able to make friends because, and like, because I wasn't afraid to go in, um, and to stutter and let people see me. Um, and thankfully, like people liked me enough that they didn't mind the stutter. Um, and like kind of throughout school, I always had a strong enough um, circle of friends. And um, that like, even if I was teased, like it didn't matter because they weren't my friends. I had my friends. Um, but so I think having that strong support network, it's so, it's so, so important. Um, and as I say, like my parents um, aren't the kind of flag waving, um, kind of my kid that has a stutter. And um, like people, like at least not on the surface, but like they've always been there for me, like when I needed them. Um, and they always have been like supporting me, like and pushing me like, in the right direction. And um, so that was really, really great. Thanks for sharing that, Lynn. Um, it's amazing to see, even when people are in the presence of a supportive environment and supportive people, they can still bring on so many negative emotions on themselves. So, you know, just imagining when people don't have that supportive environment, how it's just probably just negativity all the time from every direction. Paul, do you have something to add to that? Well, I've been hearing all of this and I've been debating the whether I want to share because uh, my experience growing up wasn't good. <laughs> I, I didn't have any support at home even though even though I had an uncle who stuttered but they never talked about it and I hardly ever got to speak speak with him. And I don't know if it was because the family was uncomfortable with the two of us speaking to each other, or but uh, school was horrible. Uh, school, uh, 
I started kindergarten in 52. <laughs> and they had speech therapists then, and they basically always had one who just went to all the schools and they spent like an hour at your school, if that. Uh, one of my earliest recollections for an aid to help you to untangle your tongue <laughs> was uh, the speech therapist had me, had me put, had me put, had me put, had me put, put marbles in my mouth and speak. <laughs> and after you swallow half a dozen marbles, you say, no, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and uh, at, at that time into my 20s, 90% of my speech was stuttered. Obviously, in school, as school progressed, and as I expressed earlier, I'm a New Yorker. Tough kids. <laughs> Tough kids and unmerciful. <laughs> I, I mean, I had to fight almost every day, and you get to the point you don't want to participate in the classroom because of the mockery you got laughed at and the bullying and I withdrew. Be because of that, I was, I was, I was dubbed a problem student and a slow learner, and I was always placed into, I was always placed into what they referred to then. I don't know what they call it today. I was placed in remedial study groups. But you're not going to college. You're not going to have any job skills. You're not going to have any skills. You're, and I bought into that, that because I never had any support at home. And my parents, they never went to school and say, what the hell are you talking about? No, we want you. No, no. And that's how I went through school till the 12th grade. And by the 12th grade, and it was stupid. I reflect back on that now. I was so tired, so angry, and so frustrated. I quit high school in my senior year. And I left home at 17. <laughs> and I bummed around. And uh, at that time, I was 18 in 65 and that was really at the start of Vietnam and we still had the draft and I said well I have to go into the service it's better than out here on the street so so I went and uh, they turned me down the, the uh, the, the Air Force turned me down. The Marines turned me down. <laughs> the Coast Guard turned me down. <laughs> Nobody went. And it, 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 uh, uh, I, I try to joke about this now. Uh, perhaps they all turned me down because I told them I wanted to go into communications. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe that got me. I, I, I don't know. But uh Anyway, uh, I I I ended up I ended up going into the job corps, and it was in the job corps they tested me. And because prior to that, for all those years, I spent a lot of time alone. I read. I love to read. I love books, and I still do to this day. And they. Tested me, and a, a lot of my scores were on were on a level of a sophomore in college, and they transferred me out 
to their their job corps center in Clearfield, Utah, and put me through college. And up until that time, I thought I was dumb because I bought into it because I was told that. I said, well, they have to be right. And there wasn't a single person who argued that. But after I found out I was relatively smart, opened up everything, I decided nobody's going to do this for me. I have to do it for myself. And I have for all these years. So it was bad, but it made me a stronger person. I'm the militant stutterer for those of you who haven't heard that before. (laughs) I don't take a lot of crap about my stuttering. (laughs) I just love it. I just love it. I really like for me seeing you and, and Lucy, who is at a later stage of your journey, it's just so inspiring. This makes me feel I have a future. It's like how you guys talk so yes. at ease, like you're completely, you know, like happy being a person who stutters. It's just so valuable. Thank you guys for, yes. for yes. showing up. Yeah, Absolutely. don't say you guys are old. You guys are experienced. <laughs> you yeah. guys are experienced, advanced. My life is just beginning. I'm 66 and I have been an SLP who stutters for over for, I don't know, 21 years now, but my career is just beginning. But I have to say something, this living this life has made me and Paul too. And Stephanie, you've been through so much too. We are tough. We are. And John, I, I have heard your story and Lynn, I've just recently heard your story. We are tough people. We are tough. We have lived through experiences that have toughened us. Absolutely. Yeah, not to mention Lynn. And not to minimize anybody yeah, else here. I don't know, Dahlia and Nathan, I know you've lived too. I mean, but we are tough people. Well, the one percent. Not to minimize anyone else's experiences. <laughs> I don't know what other people have lived through, but yeah, we have about five minutes left for our podcast. And thank you, Dahlia, our improv coach, is already here for next session. So, in the end, I want you guys maybe uh, just use kind of like one to two sentences, just to maybe send a message to the community, to the people who have maybe just started their journey or the people have not started their journey yet. So what's the message for our fellow stutterers? Who wants to go first? I talk too much. We love love hearing you talk. Don't worry. I will go first. (laughs) Go for it. All right. What I want to say is, well, this is what helped me and it may not help everybody, but this is what helped me. When I stopped trying to keep myself from stuttering, when I stopped inhibiting my stutter and gave myself permission to stutter and accepted my stuttering is when my world changed. Is when my speech became easier. When I, that's when I be. That's when I found my voice, and was able to speak and say what I wanted to say. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Lu- Lucy Lynn. Okay. Um. My, um. Like kind of biggest piece of advice. Um. For anyone who's the, would be like kind of take every opportunity you have to get involved with the stuttering community to like whether it's whether it's a support group in your area and whether it's a conference and whether 
it's the opportunity to go on a podcast or to talk to someone else who stutters or to join a Facebook group. Like just throw yourself into every opportunity. And like because I have never had an experience like where like I've gone along to, <clears throat> into one of these events like where like I've spoken to people who's who started like where I haven't taken something away from it and something that I can use in my own journey um, and I think like kind of sharing your story as well like you might not realize it but like other people can also learn from your story um, and your own experiences um, are so valid and so useful and um, so just like I keep talking um, and talk loudly and talk often. <laughs> I love it keep talking this can be like oh, oh I love caption. It. <laughs> caption yes Paul yes uh, based on my previous conversation I would encourage any young person today who is who are told they can't do something because they stutter they can't participate because they stutter. They can't pursue a specific career or job because they stutter. Don't, I bought into that till I was in my twenties. Don't buy it. Determine your own path in life. Speak to others, express yourselves. No, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. You have to be assertive. You have to be authority. You need to stand up for yourself because there are times no one else will. And you need to take a stand regardless of your age. Say, don't tell me I can't because I'm going to. Love okay. it. <laughs> Motivational speaker. Uh, Steph, you go. I think if I were to give advice to people who stutter, um, it would be um, you are worthy to be heard. Um, part of the journey of so many people I've met is just learning to embrace. And for my particular journey, um, even though it's a medical journey, I really had to learn to embrace the hard times um, and the good times. And embracing the hard times is a really hard process. And so I would encourage people to not only know that you're worthy of being heard, but also to really try to work on embracing even the harder times, because those are times that we learn from and we grow from, and your story can make a difference in someone else's life, even if you don't think it can. Absolutely. Bravo. <laughs> you guys are just beautiful speakers. So, yeah. Yeah. All great advice and definitely um, surround yourself with the stuttering community because you gain the courage and the acceptance and then it grows within you. You pass it on to others. It's just beautiful. Well said. Nathan, you didn't get a chance to say anything. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just enjoying listening, right? I mean, I, I had a great time, especially Stephanie. Obviously, I'm, I'm well aware of your inspiring stories. So so your words like just now like really touched my heart and I wanted you to to know that. Um, yeah, so what would I say, huh? <laughs> I mean, I'm probably the, the youngest person here, so I, I don't have as much experience. As, no, as Mary, she's the youngest, but you go ahead. <laughs> Steph's daughter, I was saying. That's right. You're the youngest daughter here. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say is I know it's tough and I know it's sad and I know you, you want to cry, but your stutter will help you to find strength that you never even knew that you had. And if you use that strength, I know that together as a community, we can change the world. And I truly believe that. That's what I'm saying. I do too. Very good. Beautiful. Thank you guys so much. Our time is up. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, my advice is to listen in to the stuttering stories on yes. the network. That's the <laughs> message. <laughs> yes. Look for our podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere that you listen to podcasts. <laughs> Thank you guys so much.
If you would like to be a guest on Stutter Stories, email us at worldstutteringnetwork at gmail.com. First timers are welcome.